0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Today in Space. We've got a really fun episode this week. We're going to be talking about 3D printing and my journey to the very first print ever done. It's going to be really cool, but we're going to be talking about the saga that continues to actually get it to work and uh, what I've been trying to do to get that to happen. We're going to go into what's new with SpaceX because there's a lot of really cool stuff that's come in the last week. Uh, We're going to do my reaction to the newest Pluto picks that came out today, September 17th, and some of the newest advances in futuristic technology that is happening today. Let's get into it now. Welcome to Today in Space. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Today in Space. Uh, man, so what are we talking about? September 17th, that's the day today. So most of y'all, uh, if you're back in school, you've been back for a week, maybe two weeks max, how's it feel? How's it feel? I, I gotta say, personally, I am very glad <laughs> this is the first time in seven years I have not had to sign up for classes, I have not had to feel that weight that comes in your back that's just it's you can't feel it you can't touch it but you know it's there it's it's hanging right right above and behind you and you just know this this this, i gotta get something done right now there's there's something to do there's i should be doing something right now and it it's just this constant low hum just like i've just you have work to do. You have things you gotta get done. What are you doing? Why aren't you doing work right now? And it just never goes away. And just think of that. Think of that for seven years. <laughs> I am so happy I don't have to do that. So your struggle if you're at school is is dealing with that, is figuring out how to how to make that low hum, stay a low hum of stress and not get too out of control. <laughs> because as someone who definitely let it get out of control, don't do that to yourself. It's not right. And if you're saying, Alex, what the hell? Why are you doing this to me? Don't worry. I'll have the, I will have I will not be having the last laugh because I, I could see definitely in a year or two having to go back to school for another class or, or, or whatever. So, you know, joke's on me, but I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts, okay? <laughs> so if you're back to school, welcome back. I hope you enjoy your school year. Uh, and kick ass this year. Um, and, uh, really, I mean, what have I been doing? I mean, this last week has been crazy. It doesn't feel like a week. It, it, it feels like it's been a lot longer, uh, because pretty much since last Thursday, I've been chugging away at the 3D printer, um, which is, I, I, like, I'll start it with this. 3D printing is, I know I was very optimistic in the last episode when we were talking with Sarah and even the one before that, with I think the assistant. Um it is it's something that requires a lot of different disciplines like it's not just like yeah I have an aerospace degree whoop de doo right um it 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 gives me enough to know when I need to learn something I, I I there's this it it involves so much uh basic knowledge of electronics and and mechanically mechanically you, you need to know a lot of what's going on because you know what what I was doing was was vigorously trying to get the first print ever on this machine. And in the process, um, I was skipping a lot of steps um, just because I was, I was so, I wanted to get it done. I wanted to get the first print down. Um, and now in retrospect, I've started to realize that's kind of what's put me in the position that I'm in. It's not broken, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. Just, uh, it's, it's put me to this point of being uncomfortable so like what, what do I mean by that what, what I mean is it's, it's there's a lot of things that I thought I understood and now I, I need to for, if it's elec- electrical work right if I can actually get that out of my mouth electrical work right <laughs> um, not something that I've done a lot with um, and I've, I've had I've definitely had a few instances where I've it's been a little dangerous for instance I, I worked on uh, let me give you let me give you an example I worked on Uh, It was an LED Iron Man suit. So really simple. Just took a pair of lacrosse pads and um, was trying to uh, make the LEDs uh, built into it. And that way, you know, because I was really into uh, the electronic music scene. So people were really starting to step up their game in the costumes they were wearing. So I'm a nerd, you know. Um, I like that stuff. I like dressing up. Uh, So I wanted to kind of jump the bar up. So I was working with these 12-volt uh, LEDs that were, I know was, if you know electronics, you're probably like, Ooh. Um, so I was lining them into the, the suit was making sure there was some padding in between so that it wasn't sh- shorting into the suit. And, uh, one of the first times I got the suit to actually, uh, work properly, um, basically had a whole bunch of, I think they were C batteries. Um, and I, I wired them in series, I think. Anyways, I was trying to get the, the 12 volts I needed. So, I put the suit on, and I'm wearing it, and I'm watching it work, and just making sure, you know, okay. You know, I didn't didn't feel like I was getting electrocuted, but I could feel my chest getting tighter. <laughs> and I'm breathing, and I'm like, oh, I'm getting electrocuted. So, you know, I built it so there's a quick safety pull. You just pull the plug out, and the electricity stops. Um, so, so needless to say, uh, something was shorting into the suit, uh, which was slowly leaking electrical charge (laughs) into, into my body. So, uh, I've done that. I also, one of the earliest memories I ever have, uh, of my childhood was, and it's stupid, but, um, there was like a nightlight in one of the sockets and, uh, I pulled it out. And in the process, like, my finger slipped and I actually, like, electrocuted myself. Um, I mean, luckily, I was able to <laughs> not die. But <laughs> but I, I've not had the, the best experience with electrical. Um, so whenever it comes up, I just get this just like, ugh, like oh, God, like, why? I don't want to work on this, but through going to school and with aerospace engineering, if you do, if you do pursue a degree like that, um, or you pursue work like that, you don't have to do a degree, you're going to end up working on pretty much everything. Um, that's just the nature of it. You're, you're, you're going to learn a little bit of of everything and you're going to do a little bit of everything. Um, so, uh, I have worked with this stuff before. Um, like right now, uh, I'm actually going to be working on an upgrade to my printer. Um, it's the power supply so dealing with 120 volt uh, 110 volt whatever um ac so and that's that's you gotta be careful with that i mean you you don't do that right and you're gonna really hurt yourself you may kill yourself so um you gotta you gotta do all the safety procedures It's, it's nothing crazy it's just you know uh don't touch the metal in case the wiring was you know touch the plastic first make sure you're there's grounding, you know, simple things, and so for me, it's just a little extra, like okay, like uh, uh, you know, I, I got to be careful with this. So again, the uncomfortability of it is me not knowing. It's not, it's not that like I think something bad's gonna happen. I guess it kind of is, but it's more I just I gotta get over my old shit and I gotta come up with this new stuff. So um, with the 3D printer, I fixed the last problem with the nozzle uh, and, the, and the 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 insulator block that melted. So uh, that came off really easily. Um, it was a really easy fix and actually found out that uh, I had put it together wrong. Um, now, the, the the machine that I have is a Rigibot. It's a Rigibot Big. Um, and it was a Kickstarter project, a uh, guy who invented it. Um, and then they outsourced it and they had to outsource out of the country because that's... It's... It's the only way you can get the printer at the, the value that you said it was going to be. And, you know, that's just the reality of it. So unfortunately, some of the quality was lacking. And, uh, you know, with that, the directions were, you know, at like version one. You know, most companies, whenever you get instructions from a product that you've made, it's gone through tons of iterations. It's gone through product sampling. It's gone through... You know, they've tested it with sample groups to make sure people know what it, you you know how to put it together, you know. So when you're doing with a guy who's just created it and he's just starting to sell it, it's going to be lacking. And something like this with the 3D printer, there's a lot of little things that... Um, let's put it this way. You, you can't just assume that everybody's going to know the same thing. Like probably a lot of what it seems is a great community online. And a lot of them seem like they've been in 3D printing or they've been in manufacturing or they've been in some type of CNC, um, you know, those big manufacturing machines. Um, So they have some experience with this stuff. Um, I have a little bit, I've worked in manufacturing. Um, I've run a semi-automatic injection molding machine, but that's just about it. I I haven't done full repairs on it. I've done barrel changes and and things that aren't electrical. (laughs) I haven't worked with motherboards. Um, so for me, some of the stuff, the way it's written, I'm kind of like, I don't really know (laughs) what you're talking about (laughs) here. And with the instructions, they were, you know, um, they, they left a lot of stuff out. So you kind of had to think outside of the box. And at the time I was still working a full-time job and doing this and trying to put the 3d printer together when I had free time between homework and this. So, um, needless to say, (laughs) you could definitely tell that there was a lot of late nights (laughs) putting this thing together. Um, but, uh, it's been a challenge, man. And I, I I love, I love getting back into this engineering stuff. It's, it's so fascinating and it's challenging. Like I haven't been challenged like this in a while. Um, and I can really say I, I, I feel better for it. Um, I feel more confident if that makes more sense. I don't. It may seem a little strange to some people, but um, like I, I wouldn't call it failing. It's not constantly failing. It's it's constantly having to come up with solutions, which is why I became an engineer. I mean, ha- having to to work at finding a solution all the time is what I went to school for. It's it's why it's that's why I I went to school for it is because I'm passionate about that and to have something like this which requires so much effort and so much uh uh style of thinking that that's not just electrical it's mechanical it's design oriented it's um tolerancing it's it's the next level of manufacturing really um if there's anyone in a trade who who does any type of manufacturing I'd really recommend it um it's it's not for the... Uh... <laughs> I, okay, let's put it this way. Earlier this week, when I hit probably my fourth major issue, which, again, was mostly my fault because I didn't know what I was doing, I did let myself daydream about buying a printer that was easier to use. I did. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I da- I let myself daydream for about half a day of what it would be like to buy... Another printer, but the reality is, ooh, I don't have the money for that. I uh, and even if I did, that's just running away from the problem. So I sacked up and I said, "Screw this! I'm gonna figure this stuff out." Um, and I, I ended up making some great strides. I ended up using some of the training I had at my last job, which was you know, it's it's called lean. So it's just it's it's uh, eliminating waste, right? And one of the big things I was doing was wasting a lot of time and effort trying to remember what I need to do to get to my first print. And that's kind of what this whole rant has been about, is that I I was jumping too quickly to the end and was missing all the little things I need to do. And, and after all the research and a lot of the help from the community online, I found out <laughs> what's going wrong is I'm going too fast. So I made a list that's available on there um, from the community, but I, I made it. You know, for my own style, you know, a lot of these guys are totally fine with, uh, a lot of these guys and girls are fine with uh, black on white, plain text. I need color. I need it to be organized a certain way. I need it to pop out at me and I need it to look fun. Um, that's just uh, for me, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. It's just, hey, I, I got to do it for myself. So uh, I'll show the picture of that on, on this week's episode. Uh, and it's just simple things, it's just making it easier so you don't have, you don't make the same mistake again. You know, I know a lot of people in my generation, they, they don't want to make mistakes, but mistakes, that's the only way, or they're afraid of making mistakes. It's the only way you're going to learn. Um, and everybody this is something I'm still learning, and I get told this a lot. so I'll just share it with you guys. Everyone expects you to make mistakes in the beginning, but the key is to stop making those mistakes, because after a while, if you keep making mistakes then there's an issue so in the beginning like with this 3d printing thing it's okay that i'm making these mistakes but i need to get to the point where i stop making so that was my first step this week was was pinpointing what i was doing wrong <laughs> and and fix that problem so i've got that up i'll be making changes if i if i see that it needs a little tweaking or whatever but um, it's It's been really cool It's been a lot of fun And I love doing this stuff I would do this every day It's awesome uh, I, I'm definitely I have less sleep But I like it <laughs> I like it So uh, That's it for that rant About 16 minutes It's not bad um, <laughs> uh, And uh, let's get into the next thing With uh, what's new with SpaceX So first of all Let's talk about the newest videos that came out from SpaceX. Uh, the first one called uh, the Crew Dragon Interior. And this video goes over what it looks like on the inside of the Crew Dragon. Now, the Crew Dragon is the, the next version. We've seen the, the, the regular Dragon uh, that's been bringing supplies back and forth from the ISS. Uh, valuable scientific payloads. Uh, and it's been doing it very, very well. Obviously, they had their hiccup earlier in the year, but if you look at the overall trend and their success rate, it's just a blip on the radar, right? So the next version, the Crew Dragon, which will be taking actual human beings into space and up to the ISS, they released the first video of what it looks like on the inside. I just got to say, this looks like a supercar commercial mixed with what I would just want space travel to be. I mean, it, it just it has everything to it. it. It's it's so sleek inside. I love the the whole inside is basically just white and black. Um, you see carbon fiber everywhere, and the display is so simple. I mean, if you compare it to the inside of the Soyuz, I mean, uh, if you've seen the movie Gravity, you've seen the inside of the Soyuz. Um, the inside of the shuttle, if you've seen pictures of that, there's buttons everywhere and this just looks so so simple um, and dare I say it's sexy uh, i mean let's just let's let's say what it is i mean as an engineer this is this is freaking awesome this thing looks amazing inside you definitely got to check it out i mean it's literally a minute and 2 seconds if you guys and it only lasts like 55 seconds so if you guys don't have time to watch that i don't know i think it's fantastic and the other one is an actual like a, an animation of The Crew Dragon in orbit. Uh, And it just, I I love what they're doing on on all aspects. I love, uh, let me just suck up to them more. Um, I I love that they're not only succeeding on the things they're doing in real life, their production and and how they're portraying their product and marketing, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Their marketing is right up there uh, I mean I, I understand I, I know where they're going with this uh, I, I don't understand completely but I like it <laughs> I really really like it and if this is what space is gonna look like in the future awesome I'm there guys I'm with you so keep keep doing all that hard work SpaceX you guys you guys are killing it um, and uh, also uh, Elon Musk uh, tweeted a uh, uh, that they it's a it's a new mission that's, uh, that's in the, it's the initial stages. So it's not an actually accepted mission, but it's a, it's a concept mission. So the idea is uh, there's a product called the Red Dragon Project where they've chosen the, um, the dragon, the robotic dragon capsule, the cargo capsule that we've seen. Um, and they want to use it to return samples that the Mars 2020 rover will collect, and it wants us to send that so that we can then return uh, those samples back to Earth. And the reason they chose it is because the Dragon capsule, along with the soon-to-be-launched Falcon Heavy rocket, um, it's going to reduce the, the the price of this by, by so much that it's actually feasible. You know, and that, that's part of the... The reason SpaceX exists is, is to help reduce the price so that we can get these missions up and running because that's one of the largest, if probably the biggest reason a lot of these missions don't happen You know, is, is funding. I mean, we've talked about this before. Um, we can't just give money to NASA because it's a government agency, so the funding it's appropriated is the thing that is the driving factor And just like any business or anyone who has a budget, things need to get slid around. And, you know, when NASA receives so much, again, this is me on the outside, no affiliation here, but you got to think when they're trying to figure out how the budget works and they've got this amount of money, we'll just say, I don't even know the numbers, we'll just say $10 million and each individual subset is going to get their own part of that budget. So if, you know, if they're proposing missions and they're way too much money, they're not going to get it. So having a anything that is that has a flight record, that it works, and these contractors like SpaceX, like Boeing, like Blue Origins coming up here, um, these companies are essential for this because they're going to help drive the cost lower so that budgets can be used better. Missions can be done cheaper so that they can happen. Um again, this Red Dragon project is only at the concept, but just the fact that something like SpaceX's Dragon capsule exists makes coming up with these things a lot easier because without them How else are we going to do these things? I mean, that's one of the major goals for SpaceX is to get us to Mars and their Falcon Heavy rocket that's going to launch very soon. Um, I believe it's the beginning of next year. I I heard, again, uh, I'll have to find the link, but um, it was delayed by a little bit, but regardless, um, when that thing launches, that's going to be, I think, the most powerful rocket built um, and that's gonna make going to Mars possible you know we need a lot of power if we're gonna go to to a place like Mars it's far away and we've got to do it in a certain amount of time we can't just you, know, you can't just use a Falcon 9 or you know just any regular rocket it's got to be a big puppy you know even going to the moon that takes a big rocket so uh, that's it that's all we got for for uh, Falcon 9 for SpaceX <laughs> this week, and let's go on to the next topic, and into the Pluto pics that came out today. All right, so these Pluto pictures, let's just let's start it off off the bat, okay? They're fucking amazing, all right? You need to go see these pictures. Um, there's, there's two in particular that just, uh, you'll look at the link here from NASA on the page, uh, it's a uh, it, uh, that link <laughs> entitled "Pluto Wows in Spectacular New Backlit Panorama." The first picture is of the uh, just it's, it's these mountains of Pluto, and it's it's like a panorama, and so you see just like the top, maybe even like top quarter of Pluto. You're not even seeing the whole thing. And then you're seeing these layers of haze and fog. And this is from, um, I was reading uh, from one of the scientists that I follow from the New Horizons team, that it's not actually, like it's not, uh, they're not artifacts. It's not things that are are happening because of the images uh, or the way the light's passing through. It's actual, let's see here. I'm trying to find the actual quote here yeah so this actual visible haze layers and in the picture it's seen by the m v i c instrument uh and this is uh from Kimberly and Nico Smith that we had the interview with during the the pluto series when when uh, I had the pleasure of going down for the NASA social it's it's just mind blowing and then you see all the detail that's going on down below and then you see this other image um this is Uh, It's a view of Pluto's Crescent, uh, and it was taken with the Ralph uh, and MVIC instrument. And it's crazy because it's so close. You see not only the rings, but you're seeing really close up, and you're seeing these mountains. And this, this might be my favorite picture. You're seeing these mountains and these jagged rocks that are just poking out, and then you see these smooth areas where, and there's one that actually looks like it's the frozen nitrogen lake is it's melted and and come into the shore and it's it it just it's crazy like i I, there's so much going on here and let me just let me just quote let me just quote what uh one of the members said here on the on the team so uh, Alan Stern said that this image really makes you feel you're there at Pluto surveying the landscape for yourself, you know. But the image is also a scientific bonanza revealing new details about Pluto's atmosphere, mountains, and glaciers and plains. And it is, it's it, it, like if you're a fan of thinking like I am. <laughs> And deep thought and just kind of dreaming, I mean, you'll love this picture, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't they they will not disappoint um it's more than than anyone would ever dream Pluto would have i mean you you can't i I really don't think you can dream this kind of stuff up um you know i we jokingly said it in the song, Pluto, the misunderstood, but you know we 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 talk about how oh, you know. Pluto's a planet, why'd you change it to a dwarf planet, blah, 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 All that stuff aside, man, everything we're learning about Pluto, we had, we had no idea what Pluto is. It is Pluto the misunderstood. And it's way more than a planet, it's way more than just a dwarf planet, it's Pluto. I mean, that's that's, that's all there is to say about it. It's, it's it's more than that. So stop limiting it by trying to put a definition on it. And then further down in the article, uh, there's a really cool thing that's happening that they're noticing, which, shout out, Sarah. Shout out. Uh, you may have actually got it right. And what I'm talking about is the last episode, uh, Sarah was talking about the picture because I was doing a live view. There was, there was new pictures that came out between... Uh, for last week's episode so I had a chance to have her first view of it and she was saying that one of the areas it looks like what happens when water runs through and erodes the surface and one of the pictures they're showing is that it looks like the frozen nitrogen is having some type of glacier slide so I'll, I'll go to the quote here so it makes a little more sense Someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Uh, (laughs) uh, We we did not expect to find hints of a nitrogen-based glacial cycle on Pluto operating in the frigid conditions of the outer solar system, said Alan Howard, a member of the missions geology, geophysics, and imaging team from the University of Virginia, Charlottesville. Driven by dim sunlight, this would be directly comparable to the hydrological cycle that feeds ice caps on Earth where water is evaporated from the oceans, falls as snow, and returns to the seas through glacial flow. What? Did, did he know he's a poet? Um, <laughs> he's rhyming there. Uh, <laughs> and then a- a- Alan Stern added that Pluto is surprisingly Earth-like in this regard. And, once again, no one predicted it. So, uh, Sarah, you might have been onto something there. Um you know, it's it's crazy that on the edges, as far away as Pluto is, that three billion miles, right? Um, it's actually the nitrogen, frozen nitrogen, is actually melting, and you're actually seeing nitrogen glaciers <laughs> move around. We're seeing evidence of that on the surface, and uh, one of the pictures in this link shows it. It's just crazy that stuff like with that little sunlight, I mean, we if you've ever looked into solar panels, you know, you need to have the right angle and it's a little bit different, but <laughs> you have the right angle and you've got to have the right amount of sunlight to gain any type of energy from it. Right. Granted, a lot of that is the solar cell, but regardless, um, and to think that this far out that, you know, Pluto is having these these melting seasons, basically, where the nitrogen is actually going through the whole cycle like rain does here and water, it's crazy and it, it's its amazing to see and uh, just these pictures are just fascinating. And If you have time, take the time and really just soak these in because this is only the beginning of, <laughs> of what's to come and I, I love the way that the New Horizons team and NASA has has planned this out to release these images in the way they have. Um, I think this storage bank idea of loading them up and then doing downlink sessions, it was, was executed properly, and I think they did a very good job. Um, and it, again, it's only started, so congratulations to New Horizons team. You guys are blowing us away every step of the way. Um, and I'm really proud to have met some of you. Um, really, really congratulations, and keep up the good work. Uh, I hope you guys had a great break (laughs) and uh, get back to work because there's a lot of really cool science out there and we love learning about it. So thank you. Okay, so now for the futuristic tech that I promised earlier in the episode. So uh, the first thing involves 3D printing. And then one of the things that I really want to focus on is the fact that 3D printing, it's not just like a hobby thing or you know, some crazy people that... (laughs) Are 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 mad enough to try and put this together. It's being used to to help create organs and and prosthetic body parts that that the medical industry is able to do way more. Way more than they've ever been able to do before, and it's one of the most exciting things that's happening with three D printing. Um, and one of the stories you probably heard online, uh, if you're paying attention, is. The fact that uh, a man who who had uh, chest wall sarcoma, and apparently that's a it's a cancerous tumor that grows ar- uh, around the chest wall, uh, he had to have part of his skeleton uh, removed. Basically, I think it was the uh, the sternum, the sternum and a part of the rib cage. And what they did was they three D printed a titanium sternum and rib cage, and they put it inside the man's chest. I mean, it's crazy, but they were, it, by doing it that way, the idea was, you know, with, with a lot of cancerous tumors, if you can get the whole thing out, you can prevent it from spreading, you know. So with this uh, this uh, chest wall sarcoma, they were able to completely remove the tumor and they put in this 3D printed titanium sternum and chest piece, right? So what it looks like, basically, uh, the link will be there, but uh, it's a company, CSIRO and Anatomics, and they uh, they work directly with the surgeons so that they took um, CT scans, I believe it was, of the chest so that they could completely make a custom piece for this man's rib cage because uh, in the video at the bottom, the, you know, the woman who's the CSIRO uh uh, spokesperson, I guess um, she was saying something that I, I definitely think is true—that every body is different. So you know, it wasn't like they just have one of these available. You know, no, it's it's made specifically for the patient. And basically, um, the idea was they so they took the chest piece out that had the cancer, and they they input the titanium piece right. And what they did was make these little, almost like finger gloves like little um, actually have you ever used the Chinese finger traps you know uh, something like that basically that's what they're they're doing with these these rib cages they're taking the bone they're sliding it in and then they're putting uh, a screw through to hold it in and it's just it's fascinating because titanium's been used for a few of the the body uh, implants and I mean number one mag- magnetically you're not going to have any issues um and it's it's doesn't reject inside the body like if you use steel or any kind of iron a ferrule a ferrite um ferrule (laughs) a ferrite thing where it would rust that's obviously not good you don't want something rusting inside your body so titanium is perfect plus it's lightweight and it's strong at the same time so it's the perfect thing to add in here Um, and the design is just fascinating um i'm assuming the grate in the middle where the sternum is um, that's so that the bone, uh, can eventually grow into that. Um, I've seen that in a few other, um, like hip replacements. They've done these with, uh, titanium and, uh, usually they have that mesh so that the bone can then grow through it so that it then becomes a part of it. Um, either that, or it's probably for lightweight stuff, but just fascinating. I mean, this is, this is the next level, um, that really dedicated and, and, and just passionate surgeons and, and, and medical professionals who, who are looking to do the thing that's best for the patient. Um, they can actually do that kind of thing with 3d printing now. And, uh, actually talked to someone the other day who's, uh, who, who has someone who, who does that. Exactly. They, they actually do, um, 3d scans of, of your mouth and they do, uh, I think I believe it's they, they were doing three models like 3D printing your your teeth. Uh, I think it was a dentist and I think that's fascinating. I think that's that's amazing that that these these people are going that next step and it, it just it makes me feel so like that's the reason I'm doing this. That's it get me so pumped up about this stuff. I mean, if you guys couldn't tell already. Um, I think it's awesome. Go check it out. It's this is the future, guys. I mean, not only are we putting in these <laughs> you know these things basically becoming robots in the process uh androids if you will you know we're we're gonna start printing organs eventually they won't be exact replicas but you know as if it operates like it and it looks like it then that's just as good you know if if the one you have isn't good and the next one's just as good that's pretty good. (laughs) It's only going to get better. Um, It's better than the option you had before. Not even a hundred years ago, um, you didn't have any options. So the fact that we're this far, I think is awesome. And I think this stuff's more, (laughs) more fun to listen to than maybe uh, some of the bullshit you hear during the week. So I wanted to bring it to you guys. I hope you would find it interesting. And the next thing was really cool um something that darpa uh, was working on and uh, there was a man a 28 year old man who was paralyzed and received a prosthetic arm okay and the whole idea was that the prosthetic arm would give him the sensation of touch so question is all right how would you do that well what they did was attach two sets of electrodes one of them would be put on the motor cortex which if anyone knows the brain that's the part of the brain that directs body movement and the other is on the sensory cortex which is the part of the brain that feels touch so they're putting electrodes in this guy's brain right are attached to the prosthetic. Now, the prosthetic, you know, like most, if, you, if you've seen them before, the, the mechanical insides, and then they put this, um, looks like plastic covering over it, so it's kind of like the skin. And basically, the information that comes back from the sensors is being sent to the brain with, through an electrical signal, because, I mean, that's how the brain works. It sends chemically electric signals throughout the body. And when they tested the guy, when he was blindfolded, right, he was able to figure out what finger was being touched. And and not just, like, some of the time, 100% accuracy. It's crazy. And even more than that, as the article goes more into it, they tried to touch two of his fingers at once, and he knew they were trying to mess with him. He's like, are you trying to trick me? He didn't necessarily know it was two fingers, but he knew that they were doing something different. I mean... That is just mind-blowing. And I think the great thing is that it's being done where the need is. And the need is someone who's paralyzed, who needs the sense of touch to get that back again. They're using this technology for that. Um, I know DARPA gets a lot of uh, heat for a lot of the stuff they do, but uh, this is something that I think is amazing. Um, just the fact that, <laughs> that it works, I mean, the crazy thing is the fact that they can even get his brain to, real, to, to recognize the electrical signals is baffling. I mean, that just blows my mind. And if they can figure out which, if the time and money and effort goes into it and you get the right people involved, they will figure out how to tweak that so that it matches the same signals that, you know. The brain actually gets whether it's building a new sensor that releases that type of information or tweaking the information so that the brain takes it easier. However, you would do that. That's amazing. Um, and uh, another company that was involved with the prosthetic hand, um, it was developed by the Applied Physics Laboratory at Johns Hopkins University, which is uh, we've we've definitely talked about them before, and they do some just amazing top-of-the-line, never-been-done-before stuff, which is... I love that shit. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. Uh, and just to see stuff like this, it's makes you think, where are we going? You know, what's the next step? And the reason I bring it up in Today in Space is there's definitely some applications for this down the road. I mean, let's just talk about one. If, you know, one of the biggest struggles and difficulties of sending robots to another planet is they can't do all the little things that a human can do. Like if you're trying to do geological testings, right? Someone who knows geology, who knows the rock bed, if you could send somebody to let's just say Mars, right? If you could send a geologist to Mars, they'd be able to do so much more work and be able to adapt quickly to that work instead of having the robot look send back the information they have, then have a geologist look at it, try and figure out what they're doing, adjust, you know, all that stuff. It it, it just makes more sense. Now, if we do this type of thing and we send something like this that can then touch and feel, and for down the road we actually create a brain, a robotic brain that operates any way similar to ours, we could send an android, essentially, to... Another planet, and then they can then do everything that the geologist would like to do. We put some virtual reality together, right? Put some VR together, and we have the android uh, powered by the geologist back at back in, back on back on Earth. Sorry about that. My mouth is not working. <laughs> we I'm, I'm I'm thinking too fast. Um, we have the geologist do the work that he would like to do, she would like to do, physically on the earth, or the ground, I guess that's confusing, you know, it would be able to look around and and to actually figure out what they were feeling, they would be able to, I I would figure if you can send the data to the brain through electrodes, you could figure out a way to work it with the virtual reality so that you're actually feeling it now. There's a lot of work involved in getting us to that point. But <laughs> it's fun to think about, isn't it? It's crazy. Um, and as long as it's being used for this kind of stuff, man, I am down. I am so for this. Um, the minute it starts taking a weird route, uh, you know, we'll have to question it. But uh, like I said, as long as it's being used for the right thing, which is in this case is to help... Uh, a man a twenty eight year old man who's been paralyzed to give him the sense of touch. Not the same one, but a sense of touch. Back again is incredible that oh, we can do that. I mean it's twenty fifteen. I mean it's about time we're starting to do stuff like this, you know? I mean this is what we all thought twenty fifteen would, would be about. But you don't really hear about this stuff. You know, you you have to scour the internet for this kind of stuff. You have to you have to look for it for yourself. You know, this stuff isn't being put on regular TV or or talk radio. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's because people uh, maybe it's too scientific. Maybe maybe it's that whole adage of people are scared of science, so they don't use it. I mean, uh, saw an example of that <laughs> this week with uh, the kid Ahmed in the clock, right? If someone just knew what a clock looked like, if they knew a little bit of science, and they knew how, if they just could look at the wiring and say, "Hey, <laughs> this is just a clock," this bullshit wouldn't happen. So let's hope more share this stuff. That's that's why I like I like doing this every week to bring this to you guys to to share cool stuff that's actually happening today, and it's not the the minutia that's out there, you know? So with that, thank you for listening. Uh, it's another another fun episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, got a lot of cool stuff coming up in the future here. A uh, little housekeeping first. Uh, remember, if you haven't already, go to todayinspace.net, the main hub, the website of this wonderful podcast. And uh, check it out, we're doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I've updated a lot of the stuff here. Um, I've made it a lot easier for you guys to share. There's a, um, a linking station at the bottom. So if you like something on the page, um, you can easily share that page, it's all set up for you. Um, we've also got all the lightning rounds and pictures and and artwork uh, from, from both me and some friends. Uh, it's great stuff, really take a look at it. And then of course, Make sure to use the search function. If there's something you think uh, is something in space or any kind of topic, uh, easily searchable on the website. Um, You can check us out on Facebook, uh, Today in Space podcast. And you can check us out, check me out on Twitter at El Greco. That's E-L-G-R-3-C-O. And uh, I post every day during the week on the Facebook page uh, around lunchtime and uh, the Twitter page whenever I'm on. Usually at least once a day. Um, So keep trucking forward, everybody. Keep doing what you're doing. Do what you love. And don't settle for anything else. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You'll only hate yourself for it. (laughs) So have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. And we'll be back next week, Thursday, 8 p.m. for another fantastic episode of Today in Space. Spread science. Spread the love. Enjoy yourselves this week, everybody.